Thank you, Pam. Our scripture this morning comes from Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine baby, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and plastered it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds on the bank of the river. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her attendants walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid to bring it. When she opened it, she saw the child. He was crying, and she took pity on him. This must be one of the Hebrews' children, she said. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Yes. So the girl went and called the child's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child and nurse it for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed it. When the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because, she said, I drew him out of the water. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you, O God, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Today begins a new sermon series we're calling The Man on the Mountain. Moses is one of the most famous people of the Old Testament, and he goes on quite the adventure throughout his life as he listens to God's instructions and tries to lead God's people in God's ways. He has a few spectacular moments with God on a mountain or two, but through this series we'll be journeying through Moses' whole life, starting with his birth. So today we go to the ancient empire in Egypt. Before Moses and the rest of God's people could get to the promised land or receive the Ten Commandments or go through the Red Sea, they were enslaved and oppressed in Egypt. Building projects like tombs and monuments and temples had reached unprecedented heights during the late Bronze Age when the Egyptians enslaved the Hebrews. These projects required literally millions of bricks, and this time, at this time, brick-making brick was filthy and miserable and intense work. In Exodus chapter 1, before our passage today, uh, before Moses was born, it talks about how the Pharaoh was afraid of how many Hebrews there were in Egypt. The fact that they were so fruitful made them a threat. Pharaoh felt like he needed to control this threat. In addition to making them slaves, um, giving brutal tasks and treatment, he orders the Hebrew midwives, Shifra and Pua, to kill all the Hebrew boys at birth um, as another way to lessen the Hebrew population. So these midwives were in a special position due to their jobs. 
it's possible that Shifra and Pua uh, were either Egyptian or Hebrew, we're not sure, just based on their names. It's possible that they were uh, just two singular women who were midwives for all the Hebrews, or they could have been representatives of a larger group of midwives. But these two women are part of the Hebrew community because they deliver their babies day in and day out. And Shifra and Pua would not obey the Pharaoh when he said to kill all the Hebrew baby boys. Because they feared God, they let the boys live and told Pharaoh that the Hebrew women were giving birth too quickly. They're just too vigorous for us to do anything about it. In an empire that is taking life away, They found a way to act in a way that is life-giving, aligning themselves with God instead of Egypt. For their courage and obedience to God, Shifra and Pua are blessed. Um, And unfortunately, um, the empire and the pharaoh don't stop there. Pharaoh then commands every Egyptian uh, to throw the Hebrew baby boys into the Nile River. In this dangerous time and place, The couple who would be Moses' parents push forward with joy and hope, having their baby boy. Because the midwives let the boys live, an unimaginable life was born for all Hebrews. And this specific time, place, and culture is the background for our passage today. So Moses' parents have their baby, and Moses' mother hides him for three months, protecting him from death, trying to come up with ways to protect him from a life of slavery. When I think about this story, I wonder just what it took for her to hide him from any and every Egyptian. What would the punishment have been? Would it have cost her her life? Would it have cost their whole family their lives? Could any friends know and help, or could no one be trusted? Moses' mother uh, and father must have lived with constant fear on top of caring for their newborn. When his mother could not hide him any longer, when her three-month-old got too big or too loud, abandoning Moses became her only hope for saving his life. She got a papyrus basket, put him in it, and placed it in the Nile River. I wonder if she assumed he would eventually drown, but that was a better fate than Pharaoh. Did she know the Pharaoh's daughter bathed in this spot at this time and prayed the other woman would have mercy on her child? As one poet wrote about the refugee crisis, no one leaves home unless home is the mouth of a shark. No one puts their child in a boat unless the water is safer than the land. There's that stereotypical sermon reference to a poem Jabe was talking about last week. But, yeah, no one puts their child in a boat unless the water is safer than the land. And verse 4 says, Moses' sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. We can assume that this is his older sister Miriam, who's mentioned by name later in Exodus. And after they placed Moses in the Nile River, I wonder... Did Moses' mother go home because she was unable to watch her heart breaking in front of her? So why then did Miriam stand at a distance? Why did she stay? According to the Midrash, 
or the ancient Jewish commentary on Exodus, Miriam had actually prophesied, my mother is destined to give birth to a son who will save Israel. Miriam sees what is, but also envisions what can be, the possibility of a different future. As they cast Moses into the Nile, she and her mother must have wondered, but what about the prophecy? Miriam refuses to give in to despair. She remains vigilant, guarding Moses from a distance. She does not relinquish her hope of what can still be. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her attendants walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid to bring it. How long had Miriam waited before Pharaoh's daughter came along? How long had Miriam waited and watched and prayed for Moses' survival and safety? Was her heart pounding in her chest as she tried to act casual, asking about getting this baby a Hebrew wet nurse? Did Pharaoh's daughter notice any family resemblance between the baby and the girl? She simply tells Miriam, yes. How much that one small word, yes, must have meant. Yes, your brother will live. Yes, your mother will get to hold him and nurse him again. Yes, your family will be reunited for a little while longer. Nothing says if Pharaoh's daughter was in on this plan from the beginning or not. I think it's a possibility. But we see God at work through her. Moses' mother releases Moses to the Nile, and Pharaoh's daughter draws him out. Moses' sister Miriam asks if she can find a Hebrew woman to nurse the child, and Pharaoh's daughter says yes. Miriam takes her baby brother back to their mom to take care of him, to do what she wanted to do anyway. Moses is reunited with his family. His mom is paid to take care of her son. She let go. She trusted God, and God got Moses back to her for a while longer. When Pharaoh's daughter decided to adopt the baby in the basket as her own son, I wonder if she was used to getting whatever she wanted as a princess, or was she standing up to the cruel Pharaoh, courageous in her own way, too? The princess hardly wanted liberated slaves, and the Hebrew women scarcely believed liberation to be possible. And yet these three women refuse to live out their assigned hostility to each other. They became unwitting allies, each playing an unexpected role in rescuing baby Moses. The Nile that was meant for his death was what saved him. When the child grew up, she, Moses' mother, brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and she took him as her son. She named him Moses because, she said, I drew him out of the water. While Moses is an Egyptian name, Moses is both the one who is drawn out and the one who draws out. Moses may have been drawn out from the Nile, but one day he would draw his people out of Egypt. Moses was born a Hebrew but grew up an Egyptian, 
putting him in a very unique position. Moses was officially adopted into Pharaoh's household, instructed in all the ways of the Egyptians, and became powerful. I wonder what kind of thoughts he struggled with as a boy and a young man, knowing he lived in the palace while his people were enslaved. Was he afraid that he had betrayed his people? Was he afraid his adoptive mother would change her mind about him and subject him to the same cruelty? Did he regret being unable to help them? I wonder if he felt neither Egyptian nor Hebrew, just unworthy. We will see how insecurity affected him later in his life when he tells God he is not the right man for the job of confronting Pharaoh. But Moses will come to see how God placed him in his unique position for a purpose. And it all started with what happened at the Nile River in his first few months of life. God comes to us through little children. God was working in Moses' life before he was even born, putting him in a position to grow up as both Hebrew and Egyptian to one day face the Pharaoh and free his people. God used faithful women to rescue Moses, just one step in God's plan to use Israel for the salvation of the world, on God's terms and in God's time. How might we trust God even when life seems totally out of control? Are you in a bad situation God is drawing you out of? Or one that you desperately need God to draw you out of? Could God be using someone unexpected? Could God be using you to draw someone else out? Everyone in our scripture today was able to act in life-saving ways because God placed them in their unique position. No matter who you are, what you do, or where you live, we are all each in a unique position to offer deliverance to people in need of it. We each have an opportunity to trust God. How can we have the faith of these midwives? How can we show the love of Moses' mother? How can we have the courage of his sister? How can we show the same compassion as Pharaoh's daughter? When Pharaoh wanted to end the Hebrews, God stepped in. Over and over through the story of Moses' life, God hears God's people crying out and delivers them starting with the deliverance of one baby boy from a basket in the Nile. It was only the beginning for God and the man on the mountain. Let us pray. God, we give you thanks for the ways that you work in our lives from before we are even born. We pray that you would show us what our role is, Use each of us in the unique positions that you have placed us in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.